0: Hello and welcome to episode five of The Limerick Spinners. My name is Leo McGuinn and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Luke Home. How are you, Luke?
1: I'm very, very mixed, shall we say, mixed. Liam McGuinn, as we're going to find out in just mere minutes.
0: Uh, first thing, what we always do is our gimmick. I'm sick of it, Luke. I'm sick of our gimmick. It's done. I think it's done. Tell us just... Uh, the actual reason we're called the Limerick Spinners, and we're never going to ask again, why we called the Limerick Spinners? Yeah,
1: look, I agree. So basically, um, me and Leo used to be in a travelling circus when we were younger. And we used to um, do plate spinning at the back, which was quite interesting. You know, on reflection, I don't really know how we did it. It's quite a hard skill. Um, but we did, it, we did it for years, didn't we? That's um, how we met. Um, and yeah, we used to tour around quite a lot, uh, thinking of going full-on professional, actually, yeah. at one point. Um, but then, yeah, basically, as I say, we went from country to country and, and, and I remember the moment when we thought this is not the career path that we want to go down and, and that was in Limerick, um, funnily enough. And I, I remember that we both sort of decided at the same time, hey, you know, we should we should go and, and, and sort of venture into another field. Now this this sort of time as plate spinners has um, has come to an end. I, I, I don't know if you remember that, but that was quite um, yeah, yeah. quite a life changing moment.
0: What a poignant moment in my life. And what I'd say about that is um, we'll always have that one night in Ipswich. Um, we won't say what happened.
1: Well, um, yeah. Oh, we'll God. That. No, keep that a secret. But that, that is okay. why the Limerick Spinners uh, its a very big moment in both of our lives.
0: So today we're going to be talking about cricket with a little bit of football, Six Nations preview as well. And then obviously we'll end with our famous segment around the world in 80 plays. Kicking it off, cricket. I i, I barely know even know where to start. Luke, when we were planning on doing this today... We said, okay, we'll be halfway through the game. We can give an update um, on how it's going. Uh, the game's over. Um, India won by two uh, by ten wickets, even uh, in two days, in five sessions, essentially shortest completed Test match since World War Two. I don't even know what to say, Luke. What, what's your what's your takeaways from this?
1: Yeah, it's just utter disbelief, really, at what happened. I mean, India start the day on ninety nine for three. Um, I know we were, we were speaking yesterday. Saying that, look, the likelihood is Ajinkarani and, and Rohit Sharma are going to take the way, uh, take the game away from England this morning. Um, and I genuinely just thought they they'd probably bat through to lunch, uh, put on a lead, and, and India would just um, just race ahead. Um, so what actually unfolded was was genuinely incredible. I mean. We have to talk about Joe Root, of course. Joe Root, part-time off-spinner. You know, maybe taking the mantle as a second spinner from now on. Um, You know, getting five for eight. um, You know, some of the best figures ever for an England captain. I think the best since Bob Willis. Yeah,
0: the the first five for um, for a captain since Bob Willis. And the 11th cheapest five for ever
1: ever which is just incredible really uh bowls beautifully to to left armers uh, to left handers i should say um you know he's he's just he's just has a plan against them for some reason i mean um but you know what what really was was quite depressing to be honest was watching england Bat after that, as you all agree, because there was that real sniff there, there was that opportunity where we'd restri- we'd restricted India to to 33 runs uh, uh, as a lead, and and you think, wow, okay, here's the window, there's the momentum shift, um, and then you know within the first three balls that was gone because uh, you know Crawley gets bowled first ball, Burstow out overturned second ball, then decides to get bowled. I'd love to just quickly point out that Johnny Burstow was brought in as a specialist spin. Um, player because he is so good against spin as the number three, and he faced uh, was it three balls against spin? He got oh, lbw, yeah. lbw overturned, and bowled. So that worked out well. Um, but just really disappointing. I thought there was a little window of opportunity, and it just um, it just went so disastrously uh, disastrously wrong, well, didn't it? I'm
0: gonna I'm not gonna disagree with you, but I'm just gonna first of all the first thing I'm gonna caveat before I say anything else is I fully think India with a better side in this match and deserve to win. So I'm not taking anything away from them. Um, Spinner's bowled wonderfully. Axar Patel with um, an 11-wicket haul, uh, or 10-wicket haul. Ravi Ashwin was superb, took his 400th test wicket. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For me, England lost the game in their first innings. Uh, I, I actually don't think the 81, look, it looks horrendous, but that pitch. You know, the commentators were saying stuff like, why do they just keep on getting out to the straight one? Just play for the straight one. But the problem was that Every second ball was turning square and then the next one was just spinning straight on. And, and no one had any idea how to play it. And you, you saw that from the Indian innings. I mean, genuine world-class players of spin had no idea. Same as England, none of them had any idea. Um, and look, it was never going to be enough for, for, to trouble India and they just knocked it off pretty easy in the end. Uh, in terms of the pitch, I hate doing pitch chat. It, it's one of the things that annoys me so much. Um, And I actually didn't have a problem with the last pitch, as I said. I I just thought India exploited the home conditions, which every home team should do. A test shouldn't be over in two days, to be honest with you, unless a team has just played horrendously and one team steamrolled them, which isn't what's happened here. Yeah, it shouldn't have been over in two days.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, if you're, you know, based on today... Yeah, and the way it played and and, and the the way it was turning. You'd expect that from a day four pitch, I think, in India. Um, And I probably wouldn't have a problem with it at all. It wouldn't even be a talking point, but you're right. Look, test matches should not be over as quickly as this one has. And it, it is just a bit disappointing, really, um, that it has been the case. I think it was. A, I think it was a mixture, though, Leo. I think there was poor application from the England batsmen. I mean, you look at Stokes and you look at Root. Okay, you know, you just got a little bit set. I appreciate the pitch was a tough one to play on, but they, they've just got set there. Stokes is, you know, twenty-three. Root was seventeen at one point. You get the reprise um, when Root, you know, smashes one into his pad and doesn't realise essentially. Um, and I just think that there, that there was a moment there. That, that was it was there to be taken. I really do think that they've just got in, and um, and then once that happened, we just completely folded, didn't we? So uh, you might disagree with me, but I, I just I just feel that there was poor application in that little period.
0: I I do disagree with you. I I just don't see how you you score runs on that pitch. Literally, I. I... I think the best one was was poor, although he showed intent he just he played all around the you know that the, the second time he was given out, if you like there was a huge gap between between bat and pad. um the Crawley one didn't have a huge issue with i mean it's a good ball to get first up look he's played the wrong line, but it you know it, it's a it's a jaffa to get first up. Apart from that, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a huge, huge issue with it. First innings, 100%. I think that's where England lost the game. Um, I just want to ask you quickly about about their selection. So there's a lot of chat, uh, you know, England should have picked, you know, a second spinner. What I'd argue there is, yeah, obviously, obviously in hindsight, you should have picked a second spinner. Well, I argue if they played Don best he's not taking five for eight in that first innings. And also... It, <sighs> England would have played a second spinner if they had one they relied on. I think it shows how how, how little they trust on best at the moment, which is such an opposite to a year ago where he was kind of their go to. And obviously if Moeen was there, he would have played Maybe shows England's stocks are a little bit bare. They just, they literally have one spinner that they feel they can trust the bowl. What do you, what do you reckon?
1: I, th- I think you're completely correct. And I think it's really demoralizing for Don Bess to, to not get bit, to get dropped. You know, he's out of contention. Now, if you don't get picked in a game like this, uh, you're out of contention. Um, but yeah, it is, it's kind of worrying to be honest with you that we, we do have really low stocks in in terms of spin options. I mean, you know, Moen. Um, going home, we've got, so we've got Bess, we've got Mason Crane, we've got I mean, Adil Rashid <laughs> who, you know, let's face it, won't be playing um, Red Bull Cricket so, you know, there's not that many up and coming players where I think they could really push for a place in this England team um, but it, I do think that a lot of, you know, the team selection debate, I know we've spoken about this quite a lot as well, you know, focusing on oh, we should have picked on best probably doesn't stop the fact that we got rolled in that first innings. Okay. Don Best can bat, don't get me wrong, but he's not gonna do anything on that pitch if your star batsmen aren't doing anything. Um, I know that's a bit of a hypothetical, but you know, I'm sure you agree with me. So the selection, you know, it's just okay, we got it a little bit wrong, but the batting, as you're so right with pointing out, we lost the game on the first in the first innings, and that has nothing to do with the tail that had to do with your 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 top batsman failing. And that's just what happened.
0: What I would say is I hope we never see Jofra Archer batting at eight again. Uh, he's obviously he's obviously got talent, but he is not a number eight.
1: Absolutely um, not.
0: And yeah, as you said, lots of people were giving about the spinners before England even bowled. The reason they, they didn't not pick two spinners, and that's why they were 112 all out. You know, that's obviously not the reason. Um, I thought it was a minor miracle that England kind of dragged themselves back into the game um, with their bowling. Uh, one positive I would say on the bowling is Jack Leach looks... Really good. He's a, he's really got really good control, landing it in the right spot more often than not. Now, um, average is 29, and the positive is look, there won't be a huge amount of occasions where you need to play two spinners, um, especially in the upcoming two years or so with the tools we've got. So, so that is the positive. If we've we've got Leach, um, we won't need someone else. Uh, but I mean, look, Root is a serviceable third spinning option. Um, he's a I think he's a better bowler than he than he gives himself credit for, and he under bowls himself. But if Joe Root's taking five for eight, yeah, I mean, look, there's a reason. I mean, Axar Patel, I think, is a good bowler, but he was unplayable on this pitch. I mean, right? it's he's, his second Test match. Good. Yeah, yeah, but he's obviously a very good bowler, and you know, but he was unplayable. I mean, Axar Patel shouldn't be unplayable, um, and yeah, in that first innings, Zach Crawley was the only one who came out with it with any credit. I mean. I think we all said when they were all out for 112, we all said, oh, it was probably 250 par. That's probably a bit too much. It was probably 180, maybe 200. Um, and it, if England make that, it's a real game. And, and there's a genuine game in the hands. And, and England have a chance to go 2-1 and up. And as you said, I think, a, a couple of times, I think the most disappointing thing is, it's not like a few tours ago where England just got steamrolled. It did feel like there was an opportunity there to, to go 2-1 up. And, I mean, if you go 2-1 up, you've, you've retained the... The, the, the series, because it won yeah. the last series against him. So, yeah, that's
1: a disappointing thing for me. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I thought there were just two really big moments in that Indian first innings, you know, when Kohli chopped on at the end of of, of yesterday. I thought that was a huge moment. Um, and I thought, you know, getting Rahane um, this morning was also a really big moment. And it's, it's just like, you know, in, in, in these games, it can go one or two ways. We could have completely rolled India, you know. I know Ishan got a few runs at the end, He, you know, we could have got him out for a duck. Suddenly the lead's 15 or whatever. And and, and, and mentally you really think, hey, we're in with a chance rather than letting it slip to 33 runs. Um, but yeah, I do, I do. I do. We just want to talk about India a little bit. We spoke about England a lot, but since that first test match, wow, India have turned it around because that must have been so demoralizing that first game. That was a, you know, a real surprise, I think for everyone. Um, around the world. So to come back in the manner that they have, wow.
0: Yeah. And what I would say, main thing for me is for some reason people still doubted him. And I don't know why. Like Ravi Ashwin is the best off spinner in the world by quite a long distance. Uh, and it was interesting. Uh, Nathan Lyon was on 390 wickets. Ravi Ashwin was on 365 before that in the Australia uh, series started and Ashwin got to 400 before him, which, which is quite funny. Um, and it it's hard as an England fan because obviously you don't like seeing Indian players perform well, you know, when, when it's your team. But watching Ashwin is a real joy sometimes, you know, and the way he worked over Pope in both innings, it was just, you know what? I've got you here. You're not scoring any runs. And Ollie Pope knows that, which is, that must be such a tough thing for a a professional batsman. You know, it's your job and you know you're not scoring any runs. He's got Stokes out 11 times, which is insane. Um, But yeah, look, India need a lot of credit. Uh, I thought, I actually thought the way Sharma and uh, Gil came out today as well, just to knock off those 42, could have been a little bit hairy, they're always going to win, but just to take the initiative and, and knock off those runs and Sharma in the first innings, I mean, in the end, that's that's a big difference, those 60 runs, isn't it? So, so yeah, look, India, India have been, been good since coming back. I mean, is fraud watch out for Virat Kohli, Luke? <laughs> is it? Fraud watch? No, no hundreds
1: in a while. Look, look, don't get me started on Birat Curley. He absolutely. is one curious. of the greatest players of all time. Um, even if he got a duck every game from now until the end of his career, he would still go down as one of the greatest players of all time. I
0: don't think that's true.
1: Well, I mean, I he think is- if
0: he's no, but I think if you got a duck every... People would remember him and go, oh, Ferdinand was very... <laughs> okay,
1: maybe I Remember would... that
0: time he got ducks consistently. Okay, look,
1: shooting. maybe it would <laughs> slightly detract from yeah. his illustrious career. But, um, I mean, his ODI exploits alone make him one of the greatest. And he's, t- he's hit 2,700, seven of which yeah. double hundreds. Um, I think his series that he had in England a couple of years ago cemented himself as one of the greats because that was the one... Um, that was the ghost of his past. Um, so, look, I mean... I thought he played all right, to be honest with you. Yeah, he only got, he only got 27, but I thought he played pretty well. 24, great, was it?
0: Greatest... Uh, 27, I think. Greatest, 27, white ball, yeah. great, greatest white ball batsman of all time by none, for, for me.
1: But, oh, um, by a country man, he averages 60 over 247 I, games.
0: I, I tell you who had a good test. Washington Sundar. Brought back in. <laughs> didn't have to do much. Bowled one over. Um, I mean... No.
1: Got by an
0: absolute beauty from Joe Root.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, since he's come into the test side, India have been fantastic. Whenever he plays, they seem to be uh, competing, no matter where in the world it is. Yeah. Um, one stat I actually just wanted to um, to highlight because it actually, I gawked at it just before when I saw it. So Broad and Anderson combined went for 0 for 36 and 19 overs in this game. So they played 120 tests together and, um, and never previously have they both gone wicketless, and they'd always combined for at least thirty-four overs in the match. That is incredible. In yeah. one hundred and twenty tests together, that is genuinely incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I think yeah. If it was going to happen in any test, it was going to be this one. And also, that's a lot down to Ollie Pope dropping an absolute yes, 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 yes off off, yeah. off Virat yeah, in retrospect, I think Anderson was the right choice to play in with the pink ball and and look
1: probably he bowled better. well. He bowled well in that first. He did actually,
0: after. and I tell you what, he bowled well this morning hmm. um, when Leach was bowling, and he just contained and the you exactly. know. Exactly. And I just want to before we wrap up on the cricket, I just want to say um, I like India as a team. Whatever. The commentary on on uh, Channel Four, the Channel Four feed, the Easy Indian feed is so bad. Um, Sonny Gavaskar, oh my God, he's horrendous. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just had to say, I had to get out of my system. Um, I,
1: well, yeah. look, I I agree because like we're so used to to Sky's coverage Excellence of the cricket. Of
0: Sky, yeah. Well, it's
1: just, it's just. Genuinely unparalleled, I think, across any sport and any coverage. I genuinely believe like Michael Atherton, is saying, you know, even like Rob Key now. Um, they're, they're just brilliant. Um, they just understand the game. They get on with each other so well. Um, and they add a lot, you know, this is the thing the analysis they add a lot. Whereas with this commentary, look, I like Harsha Bogle. I think he's uh, you think he's brilliant. I really do. But the others, I don't feel like they're. they're yeah, they're helping the, the the knowledge of the game to to the layman. You know, this is on terrestrial TV Darren, for us as well. Darren Layman. Is yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's been out the game for a while, so it was to he uh, to, learn. Yeah. to help him to to get back into a job. Um, no, but I I agree it was disappointing. I mean, Son of Gavaskar. I mean, he is a pretty he's a questionable guy. I mean, like Mm. I've been reading that in the world cup 1975, he basically refused to chase 330 and just got 36, 36 175 balls. He just, he he got the average up, but he just, he just refused to, Um, to to, to chase it. So that's the kind kind of guy he is. Um,
0: But I think the best thing about Sky is just that they're genuinely, they'll criticize England more than anyone, which is, something that doesn't happen with it's a shame because obviously they feel like they're not in a position to do it in um, that country box, but same with channel seven um, in Australia, channel nine as well. I think that's different. That's more probably um, arrogance, but you know, we'll get to it tomorrow time maybe. Um, but yeah, look, we'll move on for the cricket. Honestly, we could talk all day about it. Um, and I just want to say that's, you know, when Bester got out twice in two balls earlier, it's the most breath. I, I honestly just needed to lie down after it. This, this, the the cricket today has just left me just.
1: Like, it was got, it was really down. it's like I've been on a ten mile run. It was yeah. genuinely um, I forgot to eat. Like I just yeah. I just literally I was so engrossed with with what was going on I just completely forgot to eat anything. So uh, I hope
0: you're okay now and you've got your nutrients. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah no thanks for checking though okay, no um, I appreciate that. No
0: problem no problem. Look we'll, we'll reluctantly move it on. We'll move on to football. So there was uh, some football this week. Champions League. Um, big result for Chelsea they beat Atletico away in inverted commas, uh, you know it was in Romania but sure they all count, Giroud with a lovely um, a lovely bicycle kick um, last night Madrid beat Atalanta 1-0 um, what other results were there? Oh, Man City, Man City 1-2-0 fairly comfortable for your City boys um, and yeah look, that in that Madrid-Atalanta game there was an incident uh, 17 minutes in uh, there was a sending off. Um, the man comes across. Ferla Mendy's making a run. He takes him out, takes him to the team. Guaranteed yellow card. Uh, there's a couple of men covering, except it's not. It's, it, he gives him a straight red. Um, look, I thought, I thought it was very unfair. And I thought it was annoying because I think Atalanta Madrid could have been a really good game without that happening. Uh, what did you make of the incident quickly, Luke?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I don't think it's that clear cut, to be honest with you. Um, I did. I did actually think it was a red card. Um, after watching it a few times, I think Freuler like there is a man covering, but it's it's sort of it's an odd one because he's not he might just be slightly behind him, but it's almost like he's so far across he's you know on the other side of the box. Um, and for me, the first touch that's taken sort of puts the man through directly on goal. So I, I think the decision there is that this for the player whilst he may be behind uh, Freuler, um, I don't actually think that he's going to get there, which it, which is odd. Um, so I I didn't. Really see how it wasn't a red. I mean, it was tough for Atalanta. They was, did the ball
0: was going away from the the goal. It yeah, but
1: I I, I, if it, I think if the touch goes the other way and it goes towards that last defender, but it I think okay, exactly, it doesn't. So I think I think a red, and um, and I think I think that's Atalanta did absolutely brilliantly. I mm. really do. Um, they I, conceded I mean, in the eighty six, didn't they? So yeah,
0: the, but the main takeaway is is that I guess I know about football and you don't. Um, so look, it, it led me to think. Questionable refereeing decisions. Luke, if you could change one refereeing decision, one incorrect refereeing decision from the past, just one, what would it be?
1: Yes. Um, obviously, there are some very obvious candidates for this. You have, of course, Maradona, the hand of God. Uh, you also have Frank Lampard's shots against Germany, hit the bar, went in, wasn't given. Uh, they are two very obvious ones. But I want to go for something a bit rogue for you football hipsters listening right now. I want to go for Roy Carroll playing for Manchester United. I don't know if you remember Pedro Mendes sort of just crosses the halfway, sees Roy Carroll's just off his line, pings it. Roy Carroll, you know, it's a simple catch. It's a regulation. And he just, he spills it over his shoulder uh, and it goes, you know, it looks in real time, it looks like he might have flicked it back and they showed it in slow motion and He's genuinely close to being in the back of the net by the he, time he gets the ball out. <laughs> he's
0: scrambling in the net, he's nearly fishing the ball out of the net. Yeah. yeah,
1: and like that would have been one of the you know great goals from Pedro Mendez. And mm. so, I, I'm sort of it annoys me because I remember as a, as, a, as a kid watching that, I sort of was like screaming, I was like, Oh my god, he scored from the halfway line. The keepers had a howler. So, for that to just not be given, uh, I think still annoys a lot of people i hope that you know you just listen to that and annoys
0: a lot of spurs fans still it was in an era where spurs didn't win much and it Mm. was in the fergie united era spurs certainly didn't win at old trafford much so um that was taken away from them for me there's a very obvious one um look i am an england fan but I, i did grow up in ireland and you know i've got irish allegiance um ireland haven't qualified for the world cup uh football world cup since 2002 Closest we've come. Um, Closest they've come, I should say. Um, 2010 World Cup in the playoffs against France. First leg, lose 1-0 in Dublin. and Elka scores. Sure. Okay, let's bring him back to Paris. Sensational performance in Paris. Dominating France. We win 1-0. Brings it to extra time. It's 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 one all in aggregate in extra time. About 10 minutes ago, Free kick comes in. It's bouncing. It's about to go out. Thierry Henry crosses it back over to Galas. Galas sticks it in, except Thierry Henry basically caught the ball. What a cheat. At Ireland, I can't explain to you the reaction in Ireland. Uh, Henry Hoovers were genuinely thrown off bridges and like smashed and stuff like that, because uh, they said Henry on them, obviously. Um, there was an official petition for Ireland to be the 33rd team in the World Cup. Um, and yeah, it, it, it didn't go down well um it's scarred a generation Ireland have come basically nowhere near qualifying for the World Cup since um and yeah that's 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 the most upsetting one clear handball by Omri I'd say the worst one though is actually another Irish player is Liverpool Chelsea and Florian Maluda jumped into Steve Finn and just gave a penalty that was a really weird one that was a if anyone knows that one because it's quite rogue but if you remember it you remember it but yeah that one still still left heartbroken by that one Luke
1: yeah, I mean, that they are both tremendous, tremendous shouts for some of the worst refereeing decisions that should have been overturned. I mean, I know there was the worst refereeing decision I've ever seen. That I, I, don't, I don't wish it was overturned, but it was, it was awful, was the Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Kieran Gibbs from Andre Mariner. I mean, classic, that, it, it is, it really is. But that is genuinely, on reflection, one of the one of the worst like i i genuinely don't know like i know it there was a bit of fuss over it and they were like oh, but on reflection how can you mistake <laughs> one player for another they don't think, even have the same hairstyle
0: especially when it like chamberlain went up to him and said it was me <laughs> it was him. me yeah
1: and that's the worst part is the fact that he just doubled down and was like no he's he's Kieran Gibbs is going even that it was just honestly um that was baffling
0: Last thing on this, I have a question for you. You texted me before this, and I've no idea what you're talking about. Not <laughs> like clapping refs. I thought initially you were talking about when players sarcastically clapped refs. I don't know if you remember when Rooney got sent off for it once because he clapped the ref in his face. Um, what are you talking about? What are you on about?
1: Yes, Leo. So, something that has been cropping up in a lot of... Football chat recently has been that because of the the the, the maltreatment of referees in all leagues uh, up and down the country. I know we we flagged this uh, last week in our chat about Darren Drysdale um, when he went head to head with yeah with with Alan Judge and the, the, you know there's a bit of uproar about that. But there's, you know, the abuse that rest get is nothing short of disgraceful. I think it's genuinely a stain on the game. You don't get this in other sports, uh, and we just sort of accept it. But basically it's gone the other way where there are calls for refs to have a sort of guard of honor you know everyone clapping them onto the pitch as they walk out with the match ball and just i don't know the image of of mike dean strolling out and united chelsea something on the weekend with with all the players doing a little tunnel out i just find that to be such a, a a funny image in my head for some reason i don't know why but uh I hope that doesn't happen. There are other ways to support refs. Maybe just, you know, not tolerating any abuse um, could be one way to go.
0: That would be very strange. and uh, I don't think it will happen because that is mental. Um, look, we'll move on. We'll move on to a bit of rugby. There was a a brief hiatus. Um, there was a week off um, for the rugby. Uh, this weekend, there would be three fixtures. We'll get onto it. There's, there's, there's only two happening. So um, Ireland, Italy... England-Wales on the Saturday We'll talk about them first I guess we'll start with England England, England-Wales, two teams I mean, who have been surprising In different ways England have been very uninspiring Um, One win against Italy Wales have won both their games Um, How do you see it, Luke?
1: Yeah, it's, it's um, the Wales-England game is going to be fascinating, I think. Um, I think Wales have overachieved, really, so far. Uh, I know we spoke in our in our Six Nations preview about how much pressure Wayne Pivak was, at, was actually under um, coming into this tournament. And uh, they've been really good. They got lucky, don't get me wrong. You know, they've got lucky. So this is the real test. If England uh, hopefully keep all their players on the pitch, um, that will be the test for Wales. Um, I know George North, is looking like he's going to be back um probably play uh 13 might you know might play the wing. but it's 100 caps for george north um which is i think just flown under the radar 100 caps as a rugby player is a is an incredible achievement and quite
0: quite rare as well compared to other sports
1: exactly yeah completely and um you know he's 29 years old he started so young he started at sort of 17 18 um he's had a lot of injuries. This, this is why I think it's so surprising is the amount of concussions and, and other injuries he's had. It doesn't feel like he he's ever going to push a hundred caps, but look, if he stays fit for a few more years, which I really, I really hope he does. Cause he is, he's a great, great rugby player. Um, there's no reason why he can't push for sort of 130 caps really, is there?
0: What, what I want to say about Wales. So they have just released their team. Um, so halfpenny's out with, with concussion. I think it kind of may, might make Wales in, 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 a, in a weird way. If you look at their, if you look at their back, it's quite, it's quite an exciting team. They've got probably all their most talent. So they've got Josh Adams is back from suspension. Yeah. So you've got Josh Adams and, and Reece Sammut on the wing. We've seen what Reece Sammut can do. I mean, such an exciting player. Liam Williams at fullback, who is uh, on, on his day electric. Um, North and Jonathan Davis in the centre, two world class players. Um, Dan Bigger at 10. Only thing is, Gareth Davis is, is on the bench rather than starting because he's just coming back. That's quite, an, you know, you look at it and you've looked at some of the sides Wales have fielded um, that have been under strength over the last year. Um, that's, that's a good side, and also Josh Navidi's back. Um, back. Yeah, in I was
1: gonna day. say. I was gonna say. Look, that that back line. Um, you know the the Tipparek, and Navidi That's that's very very strong. Um, and I think England will be looking at that, thinking, oh, you know, round the breakdown, that's going to be very interesting. Look, I actually love Liam Williams at fullback. I think he's world class under the high ball. Agreed. I know Halfpenny's excellent as well, but but Liam Williams is spectacular under the high ball. Um. That's a very strong Welsh side. Yeah, that is a very strong Welsh side. Um, you know, they'll be relying on Bigger to to, 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 to sort of kick well. That's Halfpenny's, um, you yeah. know, great trait is he's very consistent usually with his kicking. Uh, but I think it will be a really, I think it'd be a really good game. I think... Um, be, it's quite hard to call, to be honest with you. It's quite yeah. hard to call because England, you know, they lost against Scotland. Yeah, sure, they beat Italy, but everyone beats Italy, so it's really hard to know where they're at as a team. This is the test to know where they're at as a team, really. Um,
0: and the thing about halfpenny as well, look, uh, obviously excellent, um, a- excellent kick of the ball, and, but he's kind of just a consistent fullback. He's not. Mm. You know he's not an explosive fullback like Liam Williams. I mean, they're they're very different. I mean, they're both very good players, obviously. But um, but Lee Halfpenny's been Mr. Consistent for Wales uh, over the years. But Liam Williams, uh, you know, as I said on his day, he has had a few off games. Um, but if you you look at him for the Lions in 2017, he's just that 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 player who can make a difference. Um, which yeah, for, for me as a you no, know, not as a neutral, but as somebody who doesn't support Wales, I think it's a lot more exciting than having Halfpenny at fullback. Um, the England side. Yeah, I mean, so Ford is still playing at 10. Um, Who's come in? I mean, Hill's come in, Wilson's come in. It's pretty much more of the same. Um, Only two backs on the bench again, which he's been doing recently. It's all fairly uninspiring at the moment for England, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And this is, is, look, as I said, this is the test. This is where you either say, right, this isn't working right now if Wales beat us um, and you have to start with something new. But... (sighs) I do think England will win. I do. If I'm honest with you, yeah. I don't know about you. I do think England will win as, as exciting as that Wales team is. Um, we just have something against Wales. We have, we'll just, we'll raise our levels. You can't have like Wales beating us is just the most mind numbing thing. You, you won't, you won't hear anything else, but that for the next year. Yeah, well, yeah, the Welsh fans. This is what they want. All they want to do is beat England, don't they? Like, like most of the others, because um, everyone just of, wants to beat England. Mate. It's that deep hatred, I, and yeah. probably rightly so, to be honest with you. Um, but it'd be a good game. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it because I was actually miss the Six Nations on the on the weekend. You know, the, yeah. those little breaks, um, you sort of twiddle your thumbs and think, oh, great, I'm gonna have to watch more Premier League football. Um, and now the the Test match, obviously. Uh, <laughs> you know, is, is over. Didn't,
0: didn't quite go the distance.
1: Exactly. So really looking forward to having some, some high quality sport. Um, give, it should be great.
0: Give me a quick, quick prediction um, points. England I think box. it's
1: going to be, I think it's going to be low scoring. I really yeah. do. Um, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for 18-13 England.
0: Yeah. I, I think England by four or five, actually, to be yeah. honest. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't even know why. I just think, Know Eddie Jones, and yeah, I think I think England will pull out of the bag. I don't think think it'll be a great game, but I think England will win. Um, moving on, Ireland, Italy. I mean, obviously, Ireland look, you'd assume they'd win huge pressure for Ireland. They've lost their first two games, both teams are winless. Um, they've made seven changes. There's 11 Leinster players in the starting lineup, which is interesting. Um, Sexton comes back in but isn't captaining it interestingly I'm surprised he's brought Sexton back in um, against Italy I mean he's obviously had a problem with concussion um, and, and he's only just back and it just seems like a bit of a risk but maybe that's an indication of that well Christ we need a win
1: well, they, they, you're exactly right with what you just said at the end. They do. Um, it's confidence. This is what, unfortunately, Italy seems to be there for, is for teams to uh, get their confidence back, just go through the motions, you know, score a few tries. Sexton uh, gets kicking just in, you know, it's, it's it's literally just going through the motions. Um, Billy Burns seems to be all right. Do they put much trust in him? I, I no, don't I, think I, so. No,
0: they don't seem to look. I think, I think Farrell likes him. Um, I don't think anyone's taken much... Anyone in the public has taken to him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, everyone loves, everyone seems to be kind of enamoured with Ross Byrne, um, who I like, but I, I don't quite rate him as much as other players, uh, as much as other people do. Um, but yeah, Gibson Park starting at nine, interestingly again, um, people mm. are, are screaming for Cooney from Ulster to start. Um, I like Gibson Park, but I probably prefer him off the bench. I think he's a good little spark off the bench. Yeah, for the last, yeah,
1: um, a TJ Perinara type.
0: Yeah, 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 maybe not quite that standard, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah yeah and J- Jordan Lama starting the wing actually would be interesting. I, I like that
1: yeah. Well, player. I mean where do you think where do you think his future lies at fullback or, or or on the wing?
0: It's interesting because he hasn't really done it at fullback but but then he's so young I, I think Jordan Lama is too good not to not to be a very good test player. Um, I think probably on the wing um, I, I quite like Hugo Keenan at fullback, actually. Um, and yeah, I think probably on the wing, Keith Earls isn't getting any younger. Uh, if you could have a little combo of Keenan fullback, Llama and Low on the wing going forward, I think just a solid, you know, you you know, it's those three rather than choppy and changing. I think that would be good for for, for Ireland. So if if Llama can perform on the wing, then then that would be a real bonus for them, I think. Um, but yeah, as you said, look, we assume they'll win. Um, but it, I think it's more about how they do it um it, an unconvincing win against Italy will not do far any favors um no, and his no. head might be on the chopping block also if Italy lose its 30 in a row which is horrendous I can't well, believe it
1: look I think I think this tournament I mean, that is a frightening statistic to be honest with you but it just brings back that debate that we were having in the in the Six nations preview which was you know, their place really has to be questioned now in the Six Nations. Um, Georgia are making real strides. And uh, I think there should be some sort of playoff between those two sides. I think um you have to try and shake things up a bit because because it's it's just not good for for any side really. It's not a test for for the top test playing nations and, and for Italy, it's just destroyed confidence, if anything. Um so I think some I think it needs to be looked at after this tournament to see can we can we just Uh, freshen it up a little bit um, and and see where they go next year, yeah.
0: What I would say slightly is, I know this sounds counterintuitive, but I think just from watching it, and I've I've read a few things on them, I think Italy have made some improvement under Franco Smith um, at more more, um, in the attacking sense. I think against England, they actually created quite a lot um, which they haven't done in the past. year. they've scored some tries, but but maybe from England mistakes and stuff. But they created quite a lot, and I think Garbisi is a genuine superstar. Will be a genuine superstar at ten, which is something they need. They 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 desperately need someone to kind of carry what on that, that baton from. I mean, you know, they've apart from Pareese, they've never had a, a superstar, and they've, they've not and it's hard no. to make a number eight a superstar. Well, like a I 10. thought,
1: um, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I thought Tommaso Allen was looking like he had some. Some spark in him. I really did. He looked like a serious, serious talent, but uh, he seems to be sort of fallen by the wayside a little bit. But but you're right. They've never had that. You, you need that that player to sort of even just galvanize the masses to inspire people to play. You know, this is what you need as a
0: nation. Hey, uh, is so good. Now I'm going to play rugby.
1: That is that is like a very Scandinavian get impersonation. Again. I'm try- so is he going to inspire uh, the Swedish to take on rugby?
0: Sorry, can I just have a chat with this man who's coming? Yeah, I'm trying to record the podcast, Italian John. Hey, I'm sorry, man. I did not mean to interrupt but the, the cast. Well, that's okay, but just don't, maybe don't do it in the future because I'm trying to, yeah, okay. Cool. In- where- to, go to the rugby of the week? Yeah, cheers, mate. Sorry, get where- back to it. Sorry, where,
1: in the, where in Sweden is Italian John from? from- where in Sweden, is he from? Uh,
0: he's from Verona, the lovely city of Verona in Italy. <laughs> so, um, yeah. He's got a speech impediment, mate. So maybe that's so,
1: is he Is he living with you at the. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, we sleep in a single bed together. Um,
1: oh, that's really nice. I'm, yeah. I look forward to meeting him.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good lad. Um, We'll move on. Last game of the weekend was what I predicted beforehand as the uh, game of the tournament. And it's a shame, it will be played eventually, but it's been called off uh, in the last hour. It had been insisted that it was going to go ahead when there was about five cases or so in the France camp. Um, And then there was another couple of ones. So it's been called off Scotland, France, probably the right decision, Luke.
1: I completely agree. It's a real shame because I was actually really excited for this one. Um, Scotland have looked good. Yeah, sure. They lost um, last time out against Wales, but beat England, you know, looking like they're playing really good rugby. Um, And France, obviously the team to beat at the moment, it would have been a a great clash uh, with two full strength sides. But yeah, look, there's too many people who've who've contracted COVID now. Um, So the right decision uh, is, is postponed. It's postponed,
0: yeah. Postponed, yeah. It's been, it's been, it won't be played next weekend, so they're not sure. They're, I mean, it's very fresh. So they're not sure when they're going to be playing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, probably the two best sides to watch in the tournament i'd um, agree yeah, so yeah it could have been yeah it could have been really good but look we'll get it eventually we'll get it eventually well, well that's, that's
1: why the, the postponed patient. aspects is so important because if you're just sort of cancelling it to stick with schedules because this is the problem obviously with covid it's scheduling uh, but if you're still going to get the game then it's just a minor annoyance um because yeah. that will be brilliant yeah i think um that sort of attacking nature of both teams could make mm. for a real classic game actually yeah, yeah.
0: It, i think it's, it is a bit harder isn't it with rugby because it's not like football you can just play every three days you know you 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 know getting that time off and it's such a physical game you can't just reorganize it for whatever um anyway look that's all we have for the segments um we're going to talk about sport now we've got our favorite game everyone's favorite game it's around the world in 80 plays um where luke attempts to answer a question from every continent in 45 seconds luke your records one and three last week was probably the the worst effort you'd say just in terms of you you should have done better
1: well, yes, I agree. I was I was sort of disappointed because I misinterpreted the question, which wasn't great. Um, but in the feedback we've had from our listeners, uh, they didn't do too well either. So it's always good to know that it's not just me doing badly.
0: You're better than them. You always tell me you're better. You're better you're, <laughs> you're, you're, I'm better than people. And I wow, okay, Luke. It seems uh, you know it seems a bit uh,
1: that doesn't sound like me. I don't think this yeah. is a uh, definition oh. of character.
0: Okay, okay. Um, Luke, are you are you ready? Forty five seconds. As always. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Where will the 2028 Olympic Games be held?
1: Uh Beijing.
0: Incorrect. Uh, yeah, Olympics. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh oh, uh, Los Angeles.
0: Rugby. Correct. Uh, who have Uruguay beaten at the World Cup Rugby World Cup? Any of the three teams they've beaten?
1: Uh, Argentina. No. Georgia.
0: Yes. What African player has the most Premier League appearances?
1: Yaya Yayatore.
0: No. Come S- on.
1: S C N. No. Jogba.
0: You were close with Yoru Torre. Oh, Kolo Torre. Yeah. Um, who's the last Australian male to win a gr- tennis Grand Slam?
1: Um Philip No. He- Hewitt. Yeah.
0: Who's played the most test matches for Pakistan?
1: Oh I'm, uh, Yunus Khan. Your time is up. Enzam Amalhack. No, it's Yunus not that. Khan.
0: No, it's you no. Javed Miandad. It's the, it is Javid Miandad. Um, and the last question was, who's the top-scoring European player in NBA history?
1: Uh, European player. I mean, Quite an easy she... one, actually, if you,
0: if you think about it. Uh... Oh, this guy, this guy. <laughs> um... it's Dirk Nowitzki is the answer.
1: Oh, God, yeah, but I just kept thinking but he was... He was what? American man Dirk <laughs> oh, he Nowitzki. American, he? yeah. hey my name's Dirk Nowitzki hey, Dirk. um oh that was that was I th- all right it wasn't yeah, great but...
0: I think the first question it threw you a bit
1: uh, yeah because uh, I just actually forgot which way around the globe we were going yeah, very yeah. Well, it's the same every week no no I I I realized that <laughs> um uh, soon after I made the mistake <laughs> um because it is Beijing in 2023 no 2024,
0: 2024
1: yeah yeah it is yeah so i was no, no, reaching in 2022
0: out. in the Olymp- winter olympics
1: yeah it was one of them yeah, yeah it was one of these the olympics yeah yeah so i think that threw me off, but um so that's one and four um yeah i don't know how well people will do on that one to be honest with you. Uh, they've done hard. really
0: well i've just asked them um oh worked. really
1: yeah, 2024
0: Olympics is Paris, by the way, just so you know. Ah,
1: oh, um, Beijing, look, and
0: Paris. Look, look, that's all we've got time for uh, for another wonderful episode of the Limerick Spinners. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday. Um, thanks for listening.